Hey everyone, Willem here. Before we get into stoppage time with Adriano Del Monte, just wanted to drop in a quick qualifier around Hiroshi Ibasuki's red card for Adelaide United. I was meant to mention at the time of recording that it was up for review and would almost definitely be rescinded by the time the show made its way into your feed, which is exactly how it's played out. But for mine, it doesn't take away from the fact that it had a huge impact on the game and that refereeing and the VAR is once again this week's hot topic in Australian football. Won't delay any longer. Let's jump into stoppage time. Now, this is Box to Box Stoppage Time with Rob Gilbert and Willem van Denderen. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box Stoppage Time. You're with Rob Gilbert, Willem van Denderen and Damien Tardio to pick the eyes through the week's best games, the teams, the moments and the hot topics. Willem has got a real scene set for us, but not very often that we have a special guest on the show who is actually at the game of the week, and uh, we welcome from the streets of Rome. He was uh, at the uh, Stadio Olimpico last night watching uh, Napoli. Uh, 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 well, they didn't quite tear apart because Roma were definitely in that game, but uh, Adriano Del Monte, our friend from uh, Optus, from uh, various media outlets around the world, uh, how are you, mate? I'm very well, mate. Thanks for having me. As always, it was uh, an incredible night of football in Rome. Rome never disappoints. The atmosphere there amongst my favourite in-world football. And it was a very tense match, but a dramatic late winner to, to Napoli, to Aussie man. And the Napoli fairy tale continues. They're really on track to do some special things this season. So it was great to see them live up close once again. And that's 11 straight wins for the club uh, uh, after what was uh, 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 an incredibly disruptive off-season. To think that they're uh, mm. on track and, um, and well, look, they've, they've got a, 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 a not quite equally red hot, but a very hot AC Milan on their tail. But uh, there's no reason yeah. to think that they can't go on with this. No, it's incredible. You mentioned the 11 straight. That 11 straight is the first time that they've done that since the days of Diego Maradona. 11 straight wins equals their club record set in 1986. So they are on all sorts of record-breaking pace at the moment and they have multiple goal scorers in top form. I think they've had 15 different goal scorers for the season, which is the equal most amount of different goal scorers with Bayern Munich in Europe's top five league. So they've got plenty of answers. They're very strong defensively as well. And as you mentioned, off the back of a difficult off-season where they lost all sorts of quality, star power, legends of the club, the likes of Insigne, Mertens, Koulibaly left. They lost Fabian Ruiz late on in the transfer window to Paris Saint-Germain. This is a team that uh, looks so hard to stop under Spalletti. And I spoke to Victor Ossiman as soon as he finished the match last night. I had a quick interview with him on the pitch before he joined his teammates in the dressing room. And that's all he spoke about, just the, the strength and the unity of the squad and this group and that they play for each other and that they're happy for one another and it's it's really showing and their results in Serie A are exciting but I'm also very excited by what they've been able to do in Europe because arguably that's even better with Liverpool and Ajax in that group and the, and what they've done to both those teams and Rangers as well. It's been a, a special start to a season but still a lot of football to be played of course. Do you think they have enough depth to actually clinch the first Scudetto in 32 years, or is depth going to be a problem post-Christmas? I think they do have the depth. They they don't have the star power that some of the other top clubs in Europe have, and that's with full respect to all of their quality players. But they don't rely on that one or two superstars to get the job done. And we saw that in the absence of Ossiman. Oh, look, I think Ossiman is certainly on track to becoming one of the best strikers in world football, no doubt about that. 
But Aussie then missed six matches through injury, obviously six fixtures that his teammates still won, and they found other avenues to goal. I also think the, the World Cup coming up, they do have a couple of key players who won't be at the World Cup as well. And the, the first big name, of course, Kavaratskelia, who's come in, the Georgian international. He is as good as any player in world football at the moment, given his form of late. But he's a big one who will be well-rested for six weeks. On top of that, of course, I don't need to remind myself, but all the Italians won't be going to the World Cup, which means that they'll be nice and fresh on the other side. So there are a lot of players that won't be going to the World Cup. I think that could work in their favour. And I think coming into the second half of the season, let's see what happens with the Champions League draw. But I think there will be a couple of very big upsets in the round of 16 in the UEFA Champions League. I just think that a couple of the top squads who have a number of key players who will go deep in the World Cup I just find it very hard to see how injuries and, and form and fitness concerns won't come into play a month into the second half of the season. So I think Napoli are as well-placed as anyone to win Serie A this season, but also do some big things in the Champions League as well. And looking on the other side of the ledger, obviously Roma weren't disgraced at all last night. But after a brilliant 2021-22 campaign, uh, the second season Blues have somewhat arrived for Tammy Abraham. He's only scored two goals in his last 13 matches. What does Roma need to do to get a bigger run him? Well, this is another interesting player, Tammy Abraham. Of course, he, well, he set Serie A light last season. He was very good to watch. He was very tough to defend. I Look, I'm a big fan of his work. I don't think he has too many tricks up his sleeve, and I think the rest of Serie A have found out the best way to defend him. And as a result, his confidence has dipped. You mentioned not too many goals this season, and he does need to rediscover his best form. But I can tell you, Watching the game from pitch side last night, at every break in play that, that Roma had, Abraham would often come to Mourinho and the two would speak throughout the match. And, and what that showed me is that Mourinho still has full faith in this player. He wants to bring this player back to his best form. And he does value him as an important player in the team. I, I was fortunate to speak to Mourinho post-match as well. And, and he, look, he highlighted a few of his attacking players, Abraham, Zaniolo, who have been struggling for, for some form in recent weeks, but it, certainly given their injury crisis at the moment, given the, the, the absence of some key players, mainly Dybala up top, Mourinho does need to bring out the best in these plays immediately. So I think that faith is certainly felt by the likes of Abraham and Zaniola and some of the others who are out of touch at the moment. But I think certainly they're going to need to turn it around because it is tight there in Serie A, but a big drop of points last night against the league leader now who, well, Napoli, they, they look set with Milan to really run away now in coming weeks. I think some favourable fixtures ahead and for Roma, it doesn't get easier because of course they're in the Europa League as well, so still European football to contend with six matches for most of these top clubs in the next few weeks before the World Cup, so a lot of football to be played, but not too much time to turn it around. Adriano, just heading around the grounds, you just had a 4-0 win over Empoli, but on the whole, the MLAs has continued this season. They find themselves in eighth, almost a third of the way in. Uh, just five in 11 in the league under Massimiliano Allegri. Uh, is is he saying what's been the key uh, the key to their, their struggle uh, going on this season? There's no, for me, there's no chance that if it continues in this fashion, he remains in a job. There are some financial issues with this club that have been well documented for some time. Uh, Juventus in a position where if they are to sack Allegri now, not only would it be embarrassing on their part, given the fact that they reappointed him on a four four year big money deal, thirty six million euro net over over four years, but they will have to pay him out over half 
of that contract, given the fact he still has two and a half years to run. So, look, at this point, the word in Italy is, is quite clear. It is looking very, very likely that he will be dismissed when the time is right. It could very well be World Cup. And us are all but eliminated already incredibly from the UEFA Champions League and we're only in October. It, it has not been a good campaign on many fronts. Having said that, though, it's not only Allegri to blame for the club's woes. He he certainly has not brought the best out of this current group and the current players that he's brought in in the summer. But from top to bottom, there have been multiple business decisions that have just gone wrong. And this has been coming for, for six years. I called this six years ago. So even before they played in their second Champions League final in three seasons, the club were just on a decline. And unfortunately, now the rest of Serie A have caught up. And they're, they're being forced to make some big calls. But I can tell you the latest word in Italy and... For me personally, this is this would not be a surprise if it were to happen. But Juventus have a tendency to go back to, to where they once were. And Allegri was a, a bad example of that. But I do get a very, very strong feeling that there will be the return of Antonio Conte to Juventus. I think that Conte will leave Tottenham at some point. I think potentially Pochino could replace Conte back at Spurs and Conte could return to Juventus to replace Allegri. That's certainly the, the whisper over here in Italy, but certainly what I feel as well. A game of musical chairs. Goodness me. Um, if Napoli were to go on with the job, uh, Adriano would have a, a third different winner in three years after the uh, Juventus' uh, after the Juventus nine season run was snapped. So does Italian club football on the whole feel somewhat revitalised for the variety? Absolutely. I think those narratives of the, the Serie A being a, a one-team competition are well and truly long gone. Serie A went through a very difficult period after being the best league in the world for a very long time, we went through a very difficult period when when Juventus were relegated to, to Serie B for the Calciopoli match-fixing scandal almost 20 years ago now. And not only did they suffer, but the league suffered for, for various reasons. And look, this league, irrespective of what anyone out there says, this league has never lost its quality. It's never lost its drama. It's not lost its buzz. What happened was one team dominated for a little too long. And now, you're right, if Napoli are to win this season, it will be 3-3 three and three since Juventus is nine straight. Obviously, that means four different winners in four seasons. At this point in time, guys, I can tell you, one of the top eight can all win the league. Oh, I certainly think Napoli are clear and far away the best team in the competition. Milan, of course, must be respected. But from what I've seen from Napoli, they are just a, a level above. But Lazio, Atalanta, Udinese, three teams who, who may be a surprise to be up there, but playing great football. And Roma, Inter, and you traditional giants of the league. Anyone can win the league. And on, and on any given day, any, any of those teams can beat any of the others. So very competitive, very entertaining, and a level of drama that I don't think you've seen in any other sporting competition in world football, given some of the antics that happen off the pitch here as well. But very exciting to be covering it here on the ground, certainly at this point. Yeah, no, there's nothing like the theatre of uh, the CR when you're watching it live. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those few competitions at, at the elite level where uh, sometimes it's actually enjoyable to watch the referee's reaction and their engagement with the players. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Right, um, just to move on to the uh, to we sort of touched on World Cup and, you know, infamously you've already uh, uh, indicated uh, the uh, the elephant in the room, uh, the fact that Italy won't be at the the World Cup in Qatar. So, so mm. I guess a double-barrel question here is, is what is I mean, it's one thing to not qualify it's another thing for the world cup to to be honest and for italy to not be there uh, so the question is is what is the temperature on the street and and has some of uh, the affection of uh, the Saudi uh, at the the national level 
started to transfer to the women's side with the with the women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand next year. And uh, I mean, if Australia aren't in the the group of death, then Italy would have to be pretty close in Group G with Sweden, Argentina, and South Africa. So I guess that that two long question: What is the temperature in, yeah. in Italy about the World Cup and and the feelings towards the the women's team and the women's World Cup coming up? Yeah, interesting questions. Obviously, the the men failing to qualify for another World Cup is a complete disaster. It means that Italians, and especially I think of children here in Italy, will not witness their country in a World Cup for 12 years, and that's pending that they make the next one. Obviously, 2014 Brazil to 2020 class, it's a it's a complete disaster, and that's been very raw here. I, I think every every couple of days there's a new article that a new country might be eliminated from the World Cup on the basis of something and there's some hope that comes in that Italy might get a recall. But it's a it's a really it's a really tough pill to swallow for, for every Italian here. And yeah, I don't I don't think there's a lot of excitement about this upcoming World Cup. I think the fact that there is club football returning a week after the World Cup finishes is something that most people are looking forward to more than the World Cup itself. I even spoke to a couple of the of the broadcasters who will be going to Qatar for the Italian broadcasters here uh, at the Olympico last night at Romanapoli, and they told me, you know, for them, this is just another tournament. They just need to get to Qatar, do their four or five week stint over there, and then get back and, and put it behind them. There is that real disappointment in the air. But you did mention the, the women, and obviously next year in Australia and New Zealand. Look, there's been such progression here with regard to the women's game in the last few years, but particularly the last 12 months. This is the first season here where the Serie A Femminile, so Serie A women, has become professional. We've seen a number of top foreign players now start to make the move here. We've seen, obviously, a good friend of mine, Joe Montemuro, who's the head coach at Juventus Women. He led his team last season to a narrow defeat in the quarterfinal against eventual winners, Lyon. And... I don't think enough people back home in Australia really understand how significant that achievement was. He basically took a team that were not yet professional and they actually defeated on in the first leg on home soil and then went narrowly in the second leg and were eliminated on aggregate. What he was able to do with a very limited budget with, with a, well, to be fair, an aging squad against the best team in the world was simply unbelievable. And so that, that real drive now has, and the, the progress we've seen has led to a number of clubs here really invest in the women's game. And as such, we're seeing improvements with the national team. We're seeing improvements with, with the coverage of the women's game here. And the result is, is that people now are well and truly aware, firstly, but secondly, looking forward to the World Cup for the Italian girls next year in Australia and New Zealand. And you mentioned the group with respect to the other nations in there. I think Sweden win that group, but Italy have a very good chance of going through as the runner-up with uh, against the South Africa and Argentina. And if they do, and they do finish second, they will play either the US or Netherlands if one of them win their group. So it will be a tough, tough match. But look, there's a lot of progress and it's exciting because it's Italy, obviously, a very proud football nation and good to see the girls now up, running and flying and doing good things as well. Yeah, no, great uh, analysis and an excellent answer to, to uh, that sort of double-barrel question there, Adriana. Hey, Adriana, we'd love to uh, to keep talking to you, but, uh, uh, mate, uh, uh, we'll we'll let you go back to the streets of Rome for uh, maybe a little Caffè Caretto um, somewhere uh, near the Piazza Navona or somewhere equal 
equally beautiful in the uh, the Eternal City. Um, and uh, and and mate, you just enjoy the you know living your best life over there, mate. It sounds fantastic. I appreciate it, guys. I'm staring at the Coliseum as we speak, so I'll have a coffee here for you and we'll catch up again soon. Oh, good on you, Adrian. I don't want to. We love uh, having him on the show and um, we'll talk to him again in the near future. All right, well, boys, let's carry on with stoppage time as we as we bring uh, uh, this uh, show uh, home. Um, you know, from Italy to Newcastle, um, I don't want to uh, sort of uh, suggest that there's no uh, wonderful backstory to uh, the coastal steel city up there in northern <laughs> the north coast of New South Wales. I love uh, the over Castrians, uh, but um, the Jets, Willem, you have nominated them as your team of the week. Yeah, I certainly have. Um, Arthur Pappas is bringing the vibe to, to Newcastle. They've scored three brilliant first-half goals, uh, exceptional goals, really, to uh, to seal the points. Nice and early against a Wellington side. who really weren't that bad. Um, yeah, the Arthur Pappas project, uh, we know he's come from the Postacoglu school, and there's a lot of hype and expectation around what he can do as a sort of philosophy-based coach, if you uh, if you go with me on that one. And he's added the layers in the second season, and they sit second, having played one game less than the majority of the competition. Of course, their first game against, uh, against the Central Coast Mariners was washed out. Uh, they look to have gotten their recruiting right as well. Becca Mikultadze was here last year from Georgia. They've gone back to that uh, they've gone back to that market and they've picked up Becca Dartsmelia. Uh, he looks to be the Peña replacement. Uh, so clearly he's got his uh, he's got his recruiting structures and his scouts and his, his, his network sorted. Uh, and so for me, yeah, the, the Jets have to be uh, the team of the week, particularly from an Australian perspective. Anyway, Damo, who was your uh, who was your team of the week? I'm sticking with the Seti R flavour. Uh, I've gone with Inter this week. They were involved in a thrilling 4-3 win against Fiorentina on the weekend. Uh, they got out of jail with a 95-minute winner, which gave them their third win in a row. Uh, Argentine Lautaro Martinez, he was impressive with a brace, which now moves Inter into sevens on the table. They're seven points behind. Napoli, who are sitting at the top of the table, obviously, as we spoke to Adriano Del Monte about, uh, and they've won their last three. So Inter just keeping in touch. I don't know if they can win the Scudetto this year, but I think just keeping in touch with the Champions League spots, it'll be great for them. But one to watch in the interspace is with Alessandro Bastoni, Man United manager Eric Ten Hag is uh, reportedly obsessed with him. So watch his space with him, and uh, we might see Alessandro Bastoni line up for the Red Devils in the not-so-distant future. He seems uh, impressive to know. Once he sets his sights on on someone, he generally gets them through the door. So, yeah, one to watch there, Domo. Uh, and Rob, I'm sure you're loving Domo's little Italian lilt there as he goes through the uh, the city. Uh, who was your team of the week? I'm going to... Um, I was tossing the coin between uh, between Forrest... Uh, um, beating Liverpool at the city ground, uh, being very good value for that win as well. Steve Cooper, uh, and I, I mentioned, I, um, you know, at the, the typical English obviously corrected me by, you know, he's from Wales, but hey, you take my point, he's got that face, that look, that uh, uh, that expression of the, the classic, uh, uh, well, let's say coach from the UK um, in the technical area. So um, I like the fact that, that if Liverpool were going to lose to any side, that it uh, it's that um, that wonderful um, story, the backstory behind uh, Nottingham Forest uh, and uh, Brian Clough and all the wonderful years there. So Tao Wunyi's goal, 55 minutes in, was the only one. I think Liverpool had 14 uh, shots on target, 15 shots on target, in fact, and uh, and just couldn't get the job done. So uh, look, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, uh, was you know accepting the obvious that Liverpool uh, are out of the Premier League race. So it's all about the cups um, this season, and hopefully in the the post Sadio Mane era, as Darwin Nunes finds his uh, his goal scoring feet. Um, you know, thank God for Bobby Firmino. He's uh, he's done well, and uh, you know Mo Salah is Salah, but um, I'm uh, I'm going to give my team of the week uh, to Forest and and apologies to 
Aston Villa. Uh, um, Aaron Danks uh, taking charge of the game after the sacking. Um, I think normally we'd like to think we're a good luck charm on this show, but we certainly weren't for Stevie Gerrard after we had Greg, Greg Evans from The Athletic on uh, effectively saying that he was going to get sacked. So uh, uh, so apologies with apologies to Aston Villa. Forrest is, is my team of the week, gentlemen. Um, now, what about the moment of the week? Um, there was, yeah, well, I'll let you uh, tell your story. Well, I was just going to say quickly that uh, we also went great luck for Scott Jamison who missed the uh, Melbourne derby with a groin injury. It was a late pull out there. So the box-to-box magic seems to be working in reverse for now. Just back on Forrest, Rob, what about Teo Wunyi? I absolutely loved that as a, a Liverpool old boy, he did the respectable thing and didn't celebrate, but he certainly beamed with a massive grin as he looked at the, uh, at the, at the city ground faithful, who I think provided just about the best atmosphere I've seen in football in a long, long time. It was only coming through the TV, but it looked exceptional. Yeah, no, well, I thought the, the Villa um, the Villa Park crowd was just amazing the way that, I mean, 3-0 up after 14 minutes there. So, you know, um, some, look, I, I know I mentioned it ad nauseum on this show, my personal experience on my pilgrimage to uh, to the UK back in 2018 to get to the Molyneux to, to go to Stanford Bridge and, of course, Anfield. But if you're listening and you've ever wondered um, uh, whether it would be worth making the effort to, to get your hands on some tickets to see uh, your club play in the Premier League uh, or any of the European continental leagues, for that matter, um, you, we, we, um, we talked uh, uh, to, to Kit Holton um, in, in the, uh, um, the show um earlier in the week about uh, the Bundesliga. I mean, incredible atmosphere in, in those competitions. There's, there's a, a long way to go for Australia. So moment of the week, my friend. Yeah, my moment of the week, unfortunately, is is VAR and referee related. It was the red card to Adelaide's Hiroshi Ibasuki in their game with Sydney FC. Otherwise, brilliant match that ended 2-2. Um, he slid in. He, he was in control of the ball. He, he you know, it was getting out of control, but he played it. There was actually no other man uh, in the tackle, but the studs did make contract, uh, contact as he was sliding through. Um, Daniel Alder made a mistake as a referee, and that's okay. That happens. That's why we have the VAR. So for that to then go uh, to Kurt Ams on the VAR and to assess the incident, to not even call Elder over to, to have a second look, uh, to just pretty much make the decision himself that he was going to uphold it, uh, really just undermines any progress that we might have possibly been making with the VAR. Um, Ibasuki himself cheekily took to, uh, to Twitter to ask the fans their opinion on the matter. He said, I know what I think. What do you guys think? And Tamaki Imai, uh, his countryman at Western United, just put up the face palm emoji. Uh, an absolute howler. As I said, otherwise, brilliant game to all. Uh, United probably should have had uh, all three. Uh, and Craig Goodwin, with just a little reminder there uh, of his quality with that floated in ball for the uh, for the equaliser to all for Harry van der Sarg there. So as Craig pushes for that Socceroo spot at the World Cup, uh, yeah, once again, just showing he is a wizard uh, with that left foot. Damo, your moment? But my moment of the week is... Uh here in Melbourne, the Melbourne Derby with uh, City in victory on Saturday. 23,000 in the stands were just over. The atmosphere looked great watching the replay. And I'll tell you what, I mean, it's a long way off the 40,000 crowds that you know, victory used to get in Sydney FC in Adelaide 10, 15 years ago. But for mine, this is a step in the post-COVID right direction. I mean, the league's obviously made a fair few missteps in the last couple of years with the active fan areas and, you know, they've almost over-policed them and made them really, really sterile. But I think with this victory and City match on the weekend with 23,000, both active fan areas were up and about and this is a step in the right direction for a league which really needs its active fan areas all involved and all consuming because without the fans, the league is nothing. Yeah, I was there. It was absolutely outstanding. Um, and I think this just shows what we've known about the other league for a long time. There are a lot of really solid, positive, excellent things that go well when things go well. But by the same token, there's a lot of really poor uh, decisions that have been made over time that hold us back. And the night prior at the same venue, we had 3,000 there for Western United against MacArthur. So positives and negatives always with the A-League. Rob, your moment of the week? 
Yeah, look, um, I think uh, you know a lot of competition for, for for moments of the week, but you know the way that my um, uh, WhatsApp chat with a bunch of mates with about half a dozen expat uh, pommies on it, uh, I, I can't go past yours uh, of the week. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm comfortable with video technology in world sport. It is the way of uh, of the era that we live in, and it's only going to, uh, uh, to to improve over time. But the one thing that continuously lets it down is human error. And, and that's what we're constantly seeing. And, and when you see, I mean, we talk about the Euro snobs uh, on this show from time to time, and, and some of that group of guys that are on that WhatsApp chat are legitimate Euro snobs. And, uh, and when they come and watch um, the, the, the domestic game, you know, we don't need to give them any more free kicks to, to, to slam um, the way that, um, that the competition's conducted. And, uh, and when uh, uh, like a genuine amateur hour scenario played out there where, uh, where VAR had the opportunity to, to revert to the decision um, and, and didn't, um, it was it was fairly can be embarrassing. So, no, but I'm in lockstep with you on that, Willem. And finally, for my hot topic, it's got to be the A-League All Access documentary. We have spoken at length about these behind-the-scenes uh, documentaries and coverage, and the off, the coverage so far offered by Paramount Plus and Channel 10 certainly wouldn't have inspired too many to think that this was going to be a hit, uh, but it is absolutely exceptional. And the best part is it's free on YouTube. So in an era where you have to pay for everything and you have to pay for multiple different streaming services, the fact that this is showcasing fantastic storylines in our game for free uh, is magnificent. Excellent. Well done. Well, boys, um, let's wrap it up there. Um, Damo, it's been fantastic to have you off the bench, mate. Usually we're, uh, we're name checking you as the, the guy pressing the button. Well, yes, um, I'm usually the false nine of the show, but great to actually slip into the number 10 jersey and be the super sub today. Yeah, well done. Well, with uh, Willem heading over to guitar soon and, and Edge already there, mate, uh, I think uh, we're going to have to play get a different uh, opener set up with, uh, with your name uh, firmly entrenched in it. Uh, well done, Willem. Thank you very much, Rob. Tweet us at BoxToBoxNTS and follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook and join us throughout the week as our podcast drop and we go from one end of the pitch to the in the world game.